for sure today you receive or you will receive a couple of greetings in your multimedia account. Happy Mother's Day greetings, right? Uh, GIFs, whatever. Uh, in your Facebook, uh, Messenger account. What other accounts do you have? Instagram. Uh, WhatsApp. How about TikTok? You have TikTok. You know, I don't know if you agree with this, that for some mothers, it's hard for them to figure out the texting acronyms. You know, acronyms? Not acrostics, that's Kuya Alvin's Swordley. Acronyms like uh, PTL, praise the Lord, FYI for your information, uh, TTYL, talk to you later, uh, TYBM, thank you very much. Sometimes it's hard for them, but they're using it. Even emojis, uh, in a wrong way. If I remember in our online service, some people, well, the pastor is preaching, they're sending like angry face. I don't know if that's the reaction. Sending like this, that's rude, right? <laughs> but maybe it's because they cannot say it properly, they just send it and they don't care. <laughs> you have any, your excuse. So I said, sometimes it's hard for them to figure out uh, using acronyms. Uh, one mother texted her son, your grandfather just passed away, lol. You know what's a lol? Uh, the son responds, why, uh, why is that funny, mom? And then the mom texts back, it's not funny, David, what do you mean? Her son is so confused, he writes back, mom, lol means, or L-O-L, means laughing out loud. You know that, right? So the mom is so embarrassed, she texts back, I thought, lol means lots of love. So now I have to text everyone else back. Because she's texting all the relatives and their friends that her dad passed away. Lol. Another story where a daughter texts her mother, Mom, I got an A plus in chemistry. So the mother responds with the simple WTF exclamation point. WTF. So the daughter writes back, Mom, do you know what WTF means? Do you know what WTF? Oh, don't, don't say the word, just nod or say yes. WTF. So, Mom, do you know what WTF means? So the mother responded with a smiley emoji. Very confident. Of course. That means, wow, that's fantastic. I don't know if she's a cool mom or bad mom. <laughs> this morning, if you notice our title, Family Beauty, let's have a different perspective. Most of the time, we learn from good examples in the Bible. Good characters, good mothers, and that's what we, need, we should uh, imitate. Most of the time, we hear Sermon Mother's Day. I'm supposed to, I, I, act, honestly, I prepared a sermon from Proverbs 31. I don't mother. I, I'm on the middle of it by I think mothers will go home prostrate because they're not, this woman is like perfect mom, ideal mom. And if you notice, you have your laundries and you have things to do and you cannot do it even. It's like very frustrating. That's why a lot of mothers went home after listening to Proverbs 31. They're so frustrated. So I said I, I changed the, the, the sermon. So 
As I've said, most of the time we learn from good mothers, good characters. That's what we need to emulate. But there are also times that we need to learn from bad examples, from bad mothers. That's what we should avoid. So this morning, I choose to give a sermon from, they said she's a bad mom, but if you notice, she's in it. This is a good mom on other accounts. So I will, I will share it to you later. But I want you to share that in the Word of God, there are few bad moms, terrible moms. Terrible moms that what they did was so unimaginable. You cannot, whoa, in the Word of God? The Holy Scripture, this woman uh, did something like this. Worst mom that uh, nobody, I think, in history or in books or in, in wicked Google that can compare with, with these moms. So I will share first the bad moms in history. If you search in Google, bad mothers, these names will commonly appear. Uh, you heard of Ma Barker? Ma Barker, her real name is Arizona uh, Donnie Clark. In the 1930s, she was considered as one of the most vicious, dangerous, and resourceful criminal brains of the last decade. And she turned crime into family business. Arizona Donnie Clark or Ma Barker. Her sons, Hermon, Lloyd, Fred, and Arthur, jumped right into the family business. What kind of business? kidnapping, carjacking, murder, robbery, and they all learned from their mother, Ma Barker, bad mom. Ka Young, that's her name, from California. She put her two-month-old daughter, Maribel, in microwave oven for five minutes. She died. Maribel died with burnt internal organs. Bad mom. Last but not the least, Mary Ann Cotton. Mary Ann Cotton. He called us uh, Lady Poisoner. This 19th century nurse, dressmaker, and housekeeper in England, she had a secret hobby. You know what's her hobby? She poisoned and killed 11 of her 13 children. 11. All four of her husbands. Two lovers plus two other people. Arsenic was her murder weapon of choice. It's a toxic substance that she mixed into their food. Do not kill instantly, killing them softly with her food, with her telling, no, not this is all. Every day, mixing it, and then if you, have, if you have a certain amount in your body, arsenic, it's fatal. She killed 21 people before Scotland Yard captured her. The reason for killing? All for their life insurance money. Oh, very dangerous wife. What a terrible investment strategy, right? Life insurance, claiming them, getting from different providers, and then killed her loved ones. Husband. Why are you staring at your wife like that? Don't, don't touch she loves you very much. That's why she's serving your favorite food. Yeah. Your caldereta, bulalo, litsun paksiu. There's no arsenic there. It's love. That's your favorite. No. 
I said, those are bad moms. Ma Barker, if you search in Google, Donnie Clark. But I said, in the word of God, there are few moms who are terrible. Terrible than those moms. I will give you an example. Atalea. Have you heard of this name? Atalea. You can find her name in 2 Kings chapter 11. Atalea, following the death of her husband, King Jehoram, and after the death also of her son, King Ahaziah, she massacred all her relatives, all the members of royal family, in order for her to rule over Judah. She became queen. We, the Bible never mentioned how many uh, people she killed, but she massacred. But can you imagine that? Massacre. Another account in 2 Kings chapter 6, 26 to 30. Let's read this passage. This was during the time when there was famine in the land. Because King Ben-Hadad of Syria undersieged Samaria. So this is what happened. 2 Kings 6.26 Now as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord will not help you, how shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? And the king asked her, What is your trouble? She answered, the woman, this woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day, I said to her, Give your son so that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his Loads. Now he was passing by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. Can you imagine that? Two women, they made an agreement to boil and eat their son, but the other woman deceived the other. So she complained to the king, King, in, in Tagalog, nadingoy ako. This woman told me to cook, to boil my son, but it's terrible. I just make it lightly because this is so gross, right? That's why I said there are women in the Bible, moms in the Bible, who are terrible. Terrible moms. Can you imagine? Though there, there's famine, there was famine in the land, but can you do that to your own child? Cook. Boil. And then it's a terrible famine. So today, let's have a different perspective, I said. We will learn some lessons from a mother. Some commentators take, said she's a manipulator mom. Manipulator. Are you familiar with that word? Manipulator. Manipulating. A conniving mom. A conspiring mom. Her name is Rebecca. But I believe Rebecca was a good woman. There's an account. A woman with inner and outer beauty. Let's give you some strengths of Rebecca. In Genesis 24, 16, it says, the young woman, Genesis 24, 16 says it, the young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden who had no man had known. So she was described as a beautiful woman, a woman whom no man had known or pure, that's, that's Rebecca. And she also possessed a kind and servant's heart. 
Genesis 24, 18 to 19, it says here, Drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, and she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they had finished drinking. So this was the time when Abraham sent his servant to look for a wife for his son, Isaac. And so she met this woman, Rebecca, the well. And then she offered something. I will offer you water and then also for your camels. So can you imagine that? She's kind. She has that servant's heart. She's also uh, hospitable, even with the stranger. said, sir, you can sleep at our house tonight. She said in Genesis 24, 25, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. So straw and fodder is not, she's not talking about food, but it's about the comfort, comfortable uh, bed during the time. So you can sleep. And I believe in other accounts in Genesis 25, 58, she was bold or courageous woman. She's modest. And I believe Rebecca is a believer of God. She's good. She's a good woman, but on our account, this woman, she made a big mistake. It shows that she is not perfect like most of you moms, like most of us. She's not perfect. She possesses strengths. She has also weaknesses, even wickednesses. That's why I choose her. You're a believer of God. You have, you're good. But if you are not careful, if you fail to trust Him, you fail to obey God, you will fall into the same pit or mistake that she experienced. That's why we cannot be too hard on Rebecca because this is something we also struggle. We cannot judge her. So we are going to look at the areas in Rebecca's life where she was manipulating. She was conspiring. And the negative consequences that followed in her family as a result of this uh, being a manipulator mother or manipulator parents. Because I want this message applicable not only to moms but to parents as well, to all uh, dads out there. So there are Important principles that I want to share to you. Two important principles. First, partiality leads to rivalry. Partiality or favoritism. Partiality leads to rivalry. I don't know if you agree with me on this. You know, people who play favorites, they rarely do it in open. Uh, sometimes they do. It's very uh, visible, but sometimes, but most of the time, it's 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 hidden. Uh, it takes place behind the scene. You 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 cannot notice it. If you grew up in a family where favoritism exists, you know how painful that can be. If you are the despised one, you will feel it. If you are the favored one, maybe you. Don't notice it, or maybe you, you do, but you let it happen because you benefit from it. Oh, mom loves me, dad. Buy me this Nike issues by dad, my brother did by dad from trip store. Jordan, and then the other one. It's, it's painful. 
Either way, favoritism in the families not only hurts children while they were small, it can continue to impact their relationship even as they grow old. If you do it now, while your kids are small, don't think that the pain hurt will happen only while they were kids. When they grow up, it's still there. And it will linger in your family. It's not my own opinion. It's based on this account. I'm using the story of Rebecca, Isaac and Rebecca, and what happened to Jacob and Esau. Partiality leads to rivalry. It's because, this is the first one, reason, I believe, on this account. No unity among parents. Partiality leads to rivalry. It's because mom and dads were not united. Genesis 25, 27 to 28. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. See, here we have the roots of what went wrong with, with Isaac and Rebekah. Mom and dad were not United. Did you notice something from that verse? They were both playing favorites. They even choose different sons to favor, right? It says there, uh, Isaac loved Esau because, of, because he ate of his game, while Rebekah loved Jacob. So they have different favorites. And for Isaac, there's a reason why he loved Esau. Why? Because he gets something from him. He ate of his game. Because his son, Esau, was a skillful hunter. And some parents are doing like that. I love this child because he's very talented, very skillful. He received a lot of recognitions and trophies and medals, while the other one staying at home always. Stay like, like the other one, living in tents. Watching Netflix, playing computers, nothing. This one, I love this. Facebook, proud mom here. Um, I'm not saying that's not Some we, we, we celebrate. But make sure that there's no partiality there. You despise one and you favored one, that's another story. Yeah. And then Rebecca, she loved the other one because, oh, this... This guy is a homebody. He stays with me. I'm cooking. She's helping me baking something. No, I'm just using that. Uh, but you see here, for Isaac, he said, because he ate something. He gets something from him. So now, as I've said, they have their own favorites. But I'm not sure which one is worse, mom and dad, to favor one child together. Or mom and dad, they choose different favorites. Which one is worse? Um, both ways, it's wrong. It's not good. It's hurtful to your kids. It's damaging to your family. It's damaging to your family. One of the best gifts that you can give to your children is a strong marriage band between you and your partner. Because when husband and wife are not united, this creates division 
in the family. Faction will exist. Mommy's team versus daddy's team. Can you imagine that? And this is what happened in this family. I don't know if this is the first dysfunctional family in the Bible. It seems like. And I believe this applies also to children as well. When we talk about partiality. Even in ministry, right? If there's favoritism in ministry, it, there's envy. You handle a certain ministry and you favored one and you despise the other, that's for sure. This, I believe, applicable to, to children as well. Whether you are five years old or 50 years old, if you have your mom or dad, don't show partiality. Don't say, I love mom, but I hate mom-in-law. Right? It's no good. I love my parents, but the other parents, my in-laws. No. But the Bible, you have no choice there because the Bible said even pray for your enemies. Love them. How much more to your parents? So don't show partial. Don't love your parents, biological parents, but also love your in-laws. Mom and dad-in-laws. Amen? Let them stay with you. <laughs> so let's go back to, to our topic. Mom and dads, you, you need to be united, especially when it comes to kids. Because kids picked up on this pretty fast. They, you think they don't notice it, but they will. They are. Once they sense this is the third favoritism in the family. Envy, hatred, resentment will surely exist in your family. God forbid it will happen. So partiality leads to rivalry first because there's no unity among parents. The second is there's no sympathy among each other. I'm talking about the children. Genesis 25, 29 to 34. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, so, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your bread right now. Esau said, I am about to die of what you see is a birthright to me. Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentils too, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Neither Jacob nor Esau are doing good in this account. If you notice, Jacob cheats his brother. Esau despised his birthright. By the way, birthright is very important to a Jewish family. Birthright, if you, have, if you are the eldest son of the family, you will receive the birthright. Uh, you will have the double inheritance of your family, and you will take also the authority, the responsibility, and the leadership of the family once the father will die or he's away. So you will take charge. You are responsible. You are the authority. You are the leader of the family, and you will have the double inheritance. That's very important for a family. Now, this time, 
Esau went from hunting and he got nothing. He was so, he was starving. And he asked his brother, give me that red lentils too. And his brother has the, seeing his brother starving and almost about to die, he has the guts to bribe him. Give me your birthright first. Can you imagine that? The real problem here is that they are not working together. They are not looking or supporting each other. We notice here that these kids, they don't love each other. Why? Because mom and dad raising their sons instead of teaching them to care and love one another, what happened? They favor the other one. Mom favored the other one. And they have, I don't know if they train their kids to, to support each other back, to, to love each other. That's a failure that we noticed here. And the results were devastating to them, to their family. Parents, that's your, our responsibility to teach our children to, to support each other, to love one another, right? It seems like this, uh, Isaac and Rebecca failed to do this in their family. That's why they created a huge mess between Jacob and Esau. Do you know that favoritism is contagious? It's contagious. If you play favoritism, there may even be a ripple effect where your children will go on to play favorites with their, with their kids when they have their own family. Thus, you are spreading that problem to your grandchildren, to your great-grandchildren. It, it will be passed on. That's what happened to Jacob and his children. You know the story, right? Ripple effect. It will multiply. Multiply. Maybe you don't notice it, but if you're doing that, there's a, I'm not saying all the time, but there's a possibility. The scripture is telling us ripple effect. You know ripple effect when you throw a stone in a still water, it will produce a big impact, a big wave, and then more waves. It will spread. Let's read this passage in the scripture in Genesis 37, 3 to 4. Jacob grew in a house where his parents played favorites. And what happened here? Now Israel, this is Jacob, right? Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons. Because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. And there was even an account that says that their brother conspired to kill him. Right? Kill him. Can you imagine that? Jacob grew up in a family where his mom favored him. And so... He thought that it's okay. And then he loved his son, Joseph, more than any of his other sons. How many 
siblings Joseph had. Eleven. And he was the favored one. And he made an ornamented robe. Can you imagine? It's more contagious than any virus. Virus will stay in your family for a couple of weeks. But this kind of thing, favoritism or partiality, it will stay. It will linger in your family. And the worst is it will be passed on to the next generation. This is what happened to Isaac, Rebecca, and Jacob to Joseph. So the message is clear here, parents. Don't play favorites with your kids. Be careful to preserve marital unity. Encourage and pray for your kids that they will have that camaraderie. I will use this word. That they will be united. That they learn to love each other. That's the first point. Partiality leads to rivalry. The second, dishonesty leads to misery. It leads to misery because Rebecca lied. And when she lied, she failed to respect. And I believe she failed to respect not only uh, uh, her husband, but she failed also to respect her son. Esau. You know, when we practice manipulation and deceit, we are no longer respecting each other. Or I would say, loving each other. That was Rebecca's problem here. When Rebecca, that Isaac is ready to give Esau, he said, okay, my son, uh, get your arrows and bows and get some uh, wild animal for my favorite food, my favorite, uh, uh, what do you call meat? They call it venison. So when Rebecca heard uh, Isaac is ready to, to bless his son. So she leaps into action. She tells Jacob to bring her some goats. So she prepares a meal, a meal for Isaac just the way he likes it. The flavor is the same, but it's not from venison, the meat of a deer. It's from meat of goat. She must be a good cook. She made a calderetang kanding or goat, the stew goat, out of dog. But tastes the same. You know, back home, people are doing that. You know. so, let's prepare this. Get, get the, uh, the uh, two goats and we will prepare a meal for your dad. So the question is, is Rebecca preparing Isaac's favorite meal because she loves him or respects him? I don't think so. She's doing it because she wants something from him. She wants to manipulate him into giving his blessings to Jacob instead of the elder brother, Esau. How many times do we do also something like this? We do something nice for someone not because we love or respect them, but because we want something from them. I'm doing this to my husband not because of love. I'm doing this to my wife. I'm doing this to mom and dad. But it's, there's no truth in there. It's bola. There's something. You want to get something from them. That is not love. Manipulation, conniving, deceit is not love. 
it's disrespect. And if you notice here, uh, Isaac was deceived in his five senses. He was deceived in his touch because the mother told his son, Jacob, put some hair of goat's hair in your hands so that when your dad will touch it, oh, this is my son, a hairy. Because Esau was a hairy man. So there's a goat's hair in his hand. And then, wear also his favorite, Esau's favorite garment so that you will smell like your brother Esau. He's a hunter. Can you imagine no? uh, the attire that he's wearing while doing his hunting uh, game? So when he, he smell it, oh, this is my son Esau. But it's Jacob. And then the sense of sight. He was at his old age, so he cannot see properly. Maybe he's blind. He cannot see anymore. He deceived them. Both of them, mom and uh, son, he dis they deceived their dad in his hearing, sense of hearing. He said, come here, my son. And then Isaac asked him, who are you, my son? Jacob said, I'm Esau. He asked again twice, who are you, my son? I'm Esau. Your voice sounds like Jacob. That's what he said. Your voice sounds like Jacob, but your hands is like Esau. And you smell like Esau too. So you must be Esau. And then comes the sense of taste. The mother, okay, son, bring this food. Meat, the stew out of goat's meat. Not from venison, deer's meat. I cook this the same taste. The way your father loves it. Can you imagine the deception? That's why I said terrible moms in the Bible. You cannot expect that there are mothers in the Bible acting like this. Especially where the line of our Savior Jesus Christ came from. Right? Isaac, Jacob is Israel. The chosen Israel is the chosen people of God. This is the man. Israel was deceived, and his family, Rebecca, terrible. She failed to respect. When Rebecca lied, not only she failed to respect, but she failed to trust God. She failed to trust God. God had already told Rebecca that she was going to bless Jacob. We read that passage, right? Rebecca didn't need to do anything for God's plan to take place. If she had simply trusted God, Jacob would still have received his blessings. And he would not have ended up disrespecting her husband and her son. God will do his own way. You don't need to do anything. Don't act like God. Although Isaac was ready to bless him, but for sure God will find a way. He will make his own way. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are natural. Sometimes, oh, the blessings will go now to, to Esau. But no, that's the plan. Jacob will receive his blessings. So don't. Doubt him. Or it seems like God is not there. He forgot his promise. No. 
That's the big difference between playing God and trusting God. When you try to manipulate people or situations, you are basically playing God. You are playing God. Trust God to fulfill His plans in His ways and in His time and in His means. Manipulation disrespects relationship. There's a funny scene in the movie, my, my Big Fat Greek Wedding. It's an old movie. Where the mother is trying to manipulate the father into a certain decision. Her daughter, Tola, is worried that the father won't agree with the decision of marrying a non-Greek. Because the father wants them to, to marry only a Greek uh, person. Rich Greek uh, guy. So the mother tells her daughter, she said, let me tell you something, Tula. The man is the head of the family, but the woman is the neck. And she can turn the head any way she wants. Head, but I'm the neck. It's funny line. And, and it, it works out in the movie. But it doesn't always work out in the real life, especially in a Christian family. No cannot do that. In real life, dishonesty prevents people from getting God's best blessings for them. God prepared a blessing for your family, I believe. But if you manipulate, if you conspire, if you connive, you will lose the blessings that God prepared for you and your family. You know what's the result of dishonesty here? The result of being a manipulator, mom. Genesis 27, 41 to 43. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, this is worse, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. I will repeat, I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran. Brother Esau planned to kill his own brother. Jacob. So what does Rebecca do here? When she heard the plan of, of Esau, instead of sharing the problem directly to Isaac, she sidetracks, she misdirects by lying again. Let's read Genesis 27, 46. I love Genesis 27, 46. Then Rebecca said to Isaac, I lost my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like this, one of the women of the land, what would my life be to me? She was lying again. You notice something here? She just wants Isaac's permission to send Jacob away because Esau planned to kill Jacob, right? So instead of telling Jacob what happened in the family, she withhold the information, the real thing. Instead of sharing fully uh, Isaac so that they can 
work out on this. That there's family feud. A brother plans to kill his brother. Instead of confessing and asking for forgiveness that they, Rebecca and her son, deceived Isaac. Instead of resolving the issue and explain that she failed to trust God, that's why it happened. What happened? She lied again. He said, I don't want that. I will be miserable if my son Jacob will marry Hittite women. So in order for Isaac to agree with her plan, she used this alibi. You know, you get here the story? It's another lie on top of lie. She continued to manipulate. And because of her very controlling attitude, the results were devastating to both Rebecca and her family. Let's read Genesis 27, 44 to 45. This is Rebecca saying, And stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him, then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you in one day? If you notice here, Rebekah planned to send his son to, to his brother Laban in Haran for a while. It's temporary. Because he said, stay with him or stay with Laban for a while until your brother turns away. And then in 45, she said again, until your brother's anger turns away. So Rebecca thought that it's only temporary. For a while. For a while. She repeated it twice. Until your brother's fury turns away. So Jacob went to Rebecca's brother in hand with the blessing of his brother. Because they don't want to marry. That's, that's, a court. that's what his father understood. The reason is the family feud that happened. So Jacob went to Rebekah's brother, and it was 20 years before he returned. Can you imagine? 20 long years he, st he stayed there in Haran. But by then, it was too late. Rebekah had already died when he returned to their home place. 20 years. But Rebekah died. Rebecca never saw her son again. Her beloved, her favorite son, Jacob. Jacob didn't see her mom again. So she thought that it's temporary. The consequence is temporary. But no, that's until she died. Partiality leads to rivalry. Dishonesty leads to misery. Sometimes, as I've said, we learn from good examples in the Bible. That's what we should do. Other times, we learn from bad examples. That's what we need to avoid. Unfortunately, the story of Rebecca is an example of the latter. The question is, are you a conniving mother? Are you a conniving dad? Or daughter? Or son? Are you given to manipulation? Favoritism? 
dishonesty or deceit, then you need to repent. Ask for forgiveness. It's not too late. Ask God to forgive you. Ask Him to change you and ask Him to heal the broken situations around you, around your family. Conniving hurts. It won't help. When we conspire, we manipulate, we bypass authority, we disrespect relationship, we even damage relationship, and we forego also God's best blessings for us. We need to learn to trust God instead of playing God. May the Lord bless this message this morning. Let's bow our heads. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. And give you peace. And give you peace. Gracious, gracious, gracious.